aftermath of uh, using the Sept's facilities to post our video. Um, Ferguson Company, well, mostly Puppeteer, I guess, are gonna are gonna leave something behind, a note maybe, some like artfully arranged bits of their furniture that we smashed up. Some some form of message to them as we leave that's like, don't bring this into the public eye. Don't talk about this. Don't try to get back at us. Don't be stupid. Because something worse will happen. Um, Fergus is trying to think of a way to pitch to the rest of his little team now that the sept is totally rotten and they're only concerned with themselves and they're basically failing in their responsibilities as heroes and therefore they need to be better managed but he's not quite there yet so medium term goal at this point is take over the sept which, you know, right away, that doesn't really mean much. It means, like, you know, warning them on their way out. Like, don't keep fucking with me. I hate publicity. Don't drag my shit into the light or I'll come back at you. It also means, like, whenever he can work it in naturally into conversations with Mad Spitter, with Experiment 7, with Jaguar... Even with 138, although I guess 138 is not really concerned with such things, he's going to talk about responsibility and privilege and the sort of ethical duty of a hero, you know, and he is still kind of wrestling with this himself, so it's not going to be completely forced. But he's just going to, you know, drop those little bits in whenever he can. Not only so the team knows that he's somebody who thinks about this stuff and doesn't just reflexively assume that he's right, but also to kind of get them to think about the sept in that way. Like, what the fuck do they do in that damn mansion all the time? Like, were they, where were they when the nihilist was doing his mercenary crimes and the monster squad tried to stop him. Like, where the fuck was the sept? Where were they, you know, just recently when 138 appeared on the scene and, like, left unchecked, would have gotten into a huge battle with the MHTF and, like, raised part of the city. Like, where were they? They have no sense of their duty, is the point. Of course, Fergus considered considers it his duty to uh, to run things, to to rewrite the script. But there's no need for them to know that yet. So um, the short term move is to go back to Monster Squad HQ and to continue to beef up the security of the area. He doesn't want anybody coming anywhere near them without them being warned well in advance and not just above ground. 
um, with the sort of buffer zone of empty buildings around them and uh, a surveillance system as soon as they can get it up and running. He wants to start shoring up the tunnel system and making that something they can use even more easily, something to which they'll have reliable access, something that's like part of their their little system. So like maybe, you know, since Spitter is like the youngin' on the team, he's going to be like, Spitter, you know, we need somebody to keep an eye on the tunnels too. You know, somebody needs to patrol the area above ground from time to time and somebody needs to patrol the area below ground too and puppeteer will take his turn he'll he'll lead by example so maybe he'll like bring spitter with him on patrol one time and just be like look let's let's do this together let's figure out what you know what we know what you know about me, what I know about you, what what we can do together, that kind of thing. Build some trust with him and also, like, show him that he's willing to put in the work. Try and be a leader, which is super awkward, of course. Incidentally, we were watching Silicon Valley last night, and I don't know if you watched that show, but whenever Richard, who's ostensibly the, the leader of the company, has to get up and talk to more than, like, five people at once, he just, like, vomits and almost shits himself. So it's not at that level, <laughs> but Fergus is not a performer, not without his his puppets. So he's probably... What I mean is... uh. You know, so two other sort of irons I want to put in the fire. One, you mentioned the other mind control hero or no former villain who was like retired and is a mechanic now. The guy who's up in like Gary, Indiana or or wherever the fuck. So... Fergus is going to start looking into him again. He does not like the idea of being known about. Like, he knows that people in Stringersburg who really pay attention to, like, meta, meta-human affairs would theoretically have known who he was. But for communicated be like, the puppeteer did this. These are his powers. Is like intensely uncomfortable for him so he's gonna find out about this other controller guy and uh, he's gonna start planning a way to fake his own death using this dude and you know that guy used to be a villain so fuck him um, is the thinking at this point he hasn't met the guy he hasn't had a chance to like have a pang of conscience about this so he's starting to do research on this dude and to think about ways to like either go to where he is and set up some sort of fake confrontation or, you know, lure that guy there. And then maybe, you know, maybe it'll be a thing where, like, he sort of switches places with this guy during a, during some caper and uh, it's, like, more than he can handle and the guy dies, something like that. He's He's just starting to think through all the possibilities here because... He doesn't want to be known. He would he would rather that everyone outside his team thinks he's dead. 
of course, he also has to convince the team that it's better for everyone other than them to think he's dead. So he's plotting on that, too. But um, the other thing, I think that's like, that's the second medium-term goal. Like, maybe maybe he, he'll be able to think of a way to stage some sort of confrontation with the Sept where they appear to kill him, but then there's this sort of, like, tearful reconciliation afterwards, like, oh, we shouldn't have been fighting. We're all heroes. Like, it's a shame the puppeteer had to die for the Sept to, like, regain its conscience. But it won't actually be him. It'll be the other guy. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't really know how he would make something like that happen, but he and I are both thinking about that. Um, so if, a couple of if-thens for you, if in the aftermath of our, uh, shall we say, visit to the Sept's compound, if the public... Uh, discourse uh, around 138 starts to shift if it sounds like what we've done has worked and people are like well maybe we need to contact this being from another world instead of like shoot the being from the other world on site then um, then we'll like prepare 138 to talk to the public in some way uh, I think that would probably involve getting him some up-to-date electronics so that he could build a sort of, like, live translation device for himself so he could, like, speak. Um, I think it would also involve getting a credible super scientist, not that, like, weird creep bald dude who you mentioned uh, a couple sessions ago. Whoever that guy is... Puppeteer writes him down on a list because he sounds like a bad dude and something's going to have to be done about him at some point. Uh, but anyway, if if the if the video seems to have worked, then Puppeteer's move is to get 138 some gear and some, you know, informal training to get him ready to, like, talk to the public. Um, if the video doesn't seem to have worked, then it's batten down the hatches. Everybody stay in the compound and stay out of sight. Um, okay, I imagine that's enough to work with. I'm not sure if I'm on the time scale you're imagining here, but that's it for now. When you leave the SEPs headquarters and you guys are going through all the tunnels and heading back to HQ, you just... You know, everyone didn't have a problem leaving this message, or maybe you left the message of "Don't fuck with us, don't don't bring this out into the open, leave it." Um, I'll leave that to you if you did it by yourself or you incorporated everybody. But you start talking about the corruption behind the the sept and the responsibilities and ethics of being a hero and. Seven is is totally behind you on all this. You you gathered as much that they have absolutely no love for the Sept whatsoever. Jaguars nodding as well, and one thirty eight is is somewhat lost. And you can tell that Mad Spitter is 
not necessarily conflicted. He's not conflicted, but he, I don't know. Um, maybe the rhetoric, the way you're going about it doesn't quite jive with him. You're, you're, you're not incredibly sure. Um, but you do notice that. And you guys get back to the HQ and you start talking about upping surveillance and uh, shoring up the tunnel system to make it usable, even possibly some type of uh, mode of transportation uh, is suggested by Seven and rotation of patrols above surface and below to make sure that uh, nobody even gets close to you guys. And, you know, the groundwork is just being laid, but everyone seems to get behind this. And while you're talking, Seven is quickly clacking away at the computer to 138. And you see them fiddling with uh, still with some of the bits and pieces that they had before uh, of this contraption that they're making. Yeah, everyone's fairly exhausted. Like, this was... It's been a physically taxing day. Especially for you. Um, Jaguar looks... He looks run down. Like, he, he looked pretty pumped up and everything. But as things started to tone down, he's had a long day. He got summoned back to the physical plane and all this. A couple of notes. The mind control villain in Oregon that you were talking about, that's a, that was the edge, the, um, the really low-level uh, telekinetic that you were going to use for the knife. Uh, I think you might have gotten those switched around. But you do uh, start hammering out uh, details in your brain about how to fake your own death. And you suggest on your way back to your uh, sanctuary, you you leave everybody uh, with tasks to do, and you uh, kind of put seven in charge of making sure that everything gets done. And on your way to uh, your sanctuary, you appropriate someone's phone that they're more than willing to give to you after some slight nudging, and you check the... MNN feed, the the Meta News Network, and it seems like the video that Communique was in has turned popular opinion of 138 in the the media, so you start to uh, mentally prepare a list of um, prepping him for peaceful confrontations and the credibility on a science. Oh, the the scientists, you were talking about this before you left. And Son of Jaguar actually pops up and he says, and I think this was his voice, says, what about Dr. Dimitri Burris? They're a, a big tech scientist, uh, like right on the south end of Chicago, a couple hours of north of here. And everyone kind of looks perplexed and he's just like I, uh, I mean he used to live here we we hooked up a couple times what what's the big deal and you know everyone was more perplexed that son of jaguar would know a scientist than than anything else but you know takes all kinds so 
you make a note to to look into them to see if they're in your their your files back at your private HQ. And once you get there, you realize how tired you are and you set an alarm for early in the morning and it's just, it's time to get some shut eye. Everything's safe and secure. Nothing's been messed with or anything. The, the summoning circle is still plastered onto your walls and you, you pick up, uh, you know, a, a, a scraper or something, a, a piece of metal mentally, and you try to rub it on the floor, you know, scrape some of this stuff up and it just, it's refusing. So you're, you're going to deal with that later and you go to sleep and you have an incredibly vivid dream of the swirling maelstrom. Your hair is, is tousled. Your mask is ripped off your face. Uh, your your suit, your costume is, is slowly being torn and uh, shredded by all the debris that's in the, the air. And slowly this form starts to coalesce in front of you and it's a face you haven't seen in a really long time. And probably about five, six years, and it's not as young as it used to be. It's got some, it's got some scruff on it, and it looks, the face, what you can see of it, it's pretty haggard, but the, the bandana-like uh, material that's around the eyes and the top of the head, um, that's banded in open eyes, in a horizontal band across the face, and then a vertical band going back behind the head. Uh, the robes less look look less vibrant and uh, are somewhat tattered. It's insight. The the blind prophet that used to talk to you in Chicago. His voice is also less useful youthful than it used to be. It's 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 got a heavy weight behind it, and his his face is turned to you and. When he appears, the, the maelstrom calms down. Uh, it, it, you can still see it swirling around you, but the, the physical impact is not as strong. And he he shakes his head. And you you see that the the mask where the eyes are, um, which are, are covered, of course, um, they're they're somewhat damp. And starts shaking his head, and he says, "I." I'm sorry. I I thought staying away would would possibly change things for you. I told you years ago that you had a a destiny that you just that you couldn't avoid. And the more I interfered, the the, the stranger things got. And I thought that if I went away, that that maybe destiny would forget you. But I was a fool and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Fergus. Just I wish I could fix things and I could tell you what's going to happen, but it won't change anything. It'll just it'll just make things worse. And I know coming to you and, and doing this is just going to raise more questions, but when things happen, when when things go down, when things change, 
just... I just want you to know that... that I, I, I really am... I, I really am sorry. You... See him and breathe out. He starts to fade back, or, or so you think, but you realize that there's a momentum carrying you backwards and snap awake right before you hit the floor. And you, you think you've rolled out of bed and you sit up real quick and you actually hit your head on the, the bottom of your, your low, low bed and scoot your way out from underneath it and have no idea how, how that could have even possibly happened. But, um, it's, it's, Fairly early morning, you look at your alarm, which you set for probably about 7, and it's probably about 5.30, and you know you're not going to get some sleep, so, and your your mind's whirling, so you're going to save this uh, documentation look up for later. You, you need to take a walk, so you throw on a, a quick disguise haphazard by your standards and uh, outside your door you, you hear a, a small crunch and you look down uh, or, or crinkle not crunch and um, there's a folded up piece of notebook paper and scrawled on it is Jaguar's awful awful handwriting uh, that says that doc, Dr. Burgess will or sorry Dr. Burris will um meet up with you all uh, just give him a more specific date and time and uh, Jaguar left his uh, he said that he's got a cell phone and leaves the number with you and that he's got a couple of things to take care of and you start making your way up your up the steps and out your secret entrance. And, you know, a couple of things pass through your mind. You're somewhat distracted. You, you know, do you rename the group? Uh, do you keep it the same? And since you're distracted, you are very startled. A, a voice comes in front of you. Not familiar at first, but it, it makes you jump. You... Says, hi, Fergus, and you immediately pull a, a, a loose trash can lid out and everything. You're ready to de defend yourself, and yeah, I I thought that might be your reaction. This is actually uh, I'm behind you, buddy, and you spin around, and there is a familiar silhouette. The the long hair is now cut short. Uh, the face that used to be clean shaven now has a has a about a week's growth on it. And the most distinguishing feature is uh, the missing arm. And but he's still got the the same stylish trench coat. Uh, the 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 missing arm is 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 kind of flapping in the the slight breeze. The pre dawn. And uh, out steps from uh, a shadowy door is Reverb. You're equally impressed and irritated at how he snuck up on you, how he knew you were there, and, uh, you know, a, a myriad of other factors. And he, he walks close towards you, and he's, he's got a hand up, and he's just like, 
calm down, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to, to startled you. I just, I, I had to, I had to take a shot, give it, see if I could even do it. It's like, uh, it's, it's good to see you. It's like, yeah, man, just calm down. He, he sees that you're kind of fuming and trying to, to smother it down. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. It's like, just wanted to let you know. I thought you'd be interested that you'd want to come. We found one eye. 